Please turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 13. Many times as we go to church and as we see each other after a long week, we say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? And some of us, uh, if you, if I'd ask you that right now, you'd talk about your week. You'd talk about what went on. Uh, there might have been some good things that went on. Uh, I talked to some young men about baseball before the service and uh, going three for four and striking out a bunch of people in a couple innings. And this is exciting stuff that's history in our own life, right? Uh, others, you ask how your week went, you don't want to talk about it. Uh, because some things happened that you didn't like, or you feel like you're at a place where uh, things aren't going your way and you don't like it. Uh, maybe some dramatic things happened. We had some people going in and out of hospitals this week here at Bear Valley Church. Uh, we're thankful for God's provision. Uh, just give you a quick update. Our, our youth pastor uh, had surgery on Friday and uh, everything seemed to go well and we're looking forward uh, to a great recovery for him. He's kind of like our, our um, ace pitcher. Uh, we can't afford to have him on the DL, okay? Disabled list for those of you. Uh, I could explain it more, but uh, I won't. Uh, anyways, we're thankful and we hope for a good recovery for him. Uh, we have things going on, but if you had watched the news, how many of you follow the news? It's all the depressed people. No, I... Um, <laughs> No, I'm not, just kidding you, just kidding you. You know, I, I was reading some things in the news and they're talking about the Iran uh, nuclear deal that they're trying to, it, it, it's exciting stuff, right? It could change the whole world for good or for bad, you know, in various ways. How many of you, some, some of you watch uh, the Baltimore riots and what's going on there? And you've watched how a, a city, uh, some of you, have you ever been to Baltimore? Yeah, quite a city, a historic city, and uh, yet uh, just unrest there. Uh, you know why, right? There was a young man who died. Uh, he was uh, arrested, and then he uh, he died from injuries. No one really knows, and maybe in time uh, we will. And uh, people are arguing whether it's right or it's wrong, and what the civil unrest and all this that's going on. Uh, not necessarily a good story, but a story nonetheless. Um, did anyone know that uh, uh, there's a new princess in the world? Uh, you know, uh, Kate and William had this beautiful little princess, and I'm sure she's going to be sweet when she's 13. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. How come when I said 13, sweet, like, like you all knew what I was talking about? Like, I don't know, how do we know that uh, experience, right? Uh, did you know that the Clippers beat the Spurs? That's amazing, huh? That's almost, you know, miraculous. I, don't, I wouldn't say that, but like Clippers, you know. Um, uh, Alex Rodriguez, anyone excited about that? You know, he passed Willie Mays on the home run list. No one cares about that. Nobody. Um, Supreme Court, uh, they're handling a, a very historic case this week about uh, same-sex marriage. You know, that, that's a big deal as well, right? And... And I look at these things, and I, I think that they're historic. The NFL draft? NFL draft? Some people, like, watch that. Like, it's just the picking portion of it, right? It's just for people who 
have never played a game yet, right? You know, in, in the NFL. Anyways, and then uh, uh, my personal favorite, uh, the uh, Pacquiao Mayweather fight last night. I mean, amazing stuff. Some of you are real excited about that, right? There's like two people here that it, it was a fight with fists and they made a lot of money and one guy won. Never been beat before. Uh, exciting stuff. I, I share all this by way of intro. I, I realize that we have details in the li- in our lives. I, I, I realize the weather changes even here from time to time. I, I realize we look at things and we anticipate and we see them as big events. And you know what? Uh, the people in Jesus' day had similar things going on. They were trying to take care of their families. They had jobs. They had things they were interested in. Things that got them excited, things that got them discouraged, uh, things that were happening politically around them that caused them to worry. Uh, And Jesus had this message that I want to share with you this morning. He had this for them. And this morning, he has a message for us that we might hear, that we might hear and it might instruct the way we live. That it might change us in our perspective and the decisions we make in the next week. Uh, it's this message that we share with you. I uh, share with you this morning. It's a parable. If you uh, are turned over into your Bibles, it it might title it the parable of the dragnet or the parable of the net. Um, and we start out in verse forty-seven. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Starting at verse 47. God's word says this. Jesus speaking to his uh, followers. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish from of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down on this uh, and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God, I ask for your blessing this morning. I ask for clarity of the gospel. I ask that you would help us to hear the warnings that your son Jesus has laid out before us. And God, that we would trust in him and no other, that we might be the righteous. God, do your work in us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Fishing is a big deal in the culture of Jesus' day. A couple of, some of his disciples were fishermen and all of them uh, knew about fishing to some degree or another. You have the Sea of Galilee uh, nearby and they would have all known about what it is that the fish would, they would take the fish, they would eat them. It was a huge part of their culture, much bigger uh, than our culture today fishing is except for some of you who love fishing and you talk about it all the time. It's your thing that gets you excited. Um, 
We have this parable and Jesus is speaking in parables. This is in a group of parables. As we've looked in Matthew, uh, we've seen this over and over again. And just a quick refresher, a parable is a story with a point. Not just a point, but a spiritual point. It's Jesus speaking to them in parables, seeking to show them uh, to lay aside their lives what a story that would be helpful for them to understand. These stories are veiled a little bit too. For those who are unwilling, unwilling to think about it, unwilling to obey, uh, they will not see, uh, even as the prophecy is shared in chapter 13. And this particular uh, parable is similar to one we've already gone over. If you look up a few verses uh, from the verse 47, you will see the the parable. Um, sorry, uh, the the parable of the weeds or the parable of the tares, and Jesus is speaking to them about there is a difference. There is a difference, and so he gives this picture of fishing, and so uh, it's kind of like for a particular sport that you would like or a particular activity. It's like your ears perk up. For some of you this morning, if I'd say, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to talk to you about the piano. And you go, oh, I love the piano. I'm going to listen. And others of you, if I said, you know, I was at this football game. You go, I love football. Or some of you, if I said, uh, I was watching the Food Network, you'd say, yes, now we're talking. Uh, but this is what Jesus did. And he spoke to them about fishing. Uh, Jesus talked about fishing quite a bit. He called fishermen, as I already said, uh, called them to himself in the midst of their fishing. And he tells us that his kingdom or the kingdom of heaven, his eternal kingdom is like this. And he, he, he's saying, I want to show you what it's like. I want to tell you a story that will be helpful for you to understand. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. Uh, it's not one of those little scoop nets. You know, after you've caught a fish on a line, you put it in a... It's not like that. It's not even... Maybe you've seen pictures of disciples with this bundled up, uh, folded up net and they throw it out, uh, you know, 12 by 12. It's not that. This is the big one. This is the big one. Some of them, uh, they can get up to two miles long. It's this weave net where they, they take it and they either uh, moor it to the uh, the shore or to another boat. And then they drift it around, drift it around, and they make a huge circle, huge circle or semicircle to the shore. And then as they get it out there, they start bringing it in. And all that is caught uh, is everything, right? It's every kind of fish. It's every floating piece of garbage. It's the weeds and the, the seaweed in there. It's, it's all brought in and it's brought to the shore. This is what Jesus is picturing. This is what he is sharing with his disciples and those who are following. He said, I want to give you this picture. It's the picture of the net, the large net that's catching everything, that's bringing it to shore. This is my picture. This is my parable for you. As you consider this, um, picture yourself as a fish in the net. 
initially, uh, you, probably no difference, right? You're, you're swimming around. Uh, this net's way out there. And, the, you know, the water's always moving because of tides and wind and everything else. And so the water's always moving. So you don't notice anything. So so there's, there's nothing going on. And so uh, you just think, Today is a normal day. I'll go about my normal business. And then uh, all of a sudden, this this rope or this net bumps up against you. And you say, oh, that's weird. And so you swim away and you go, oh, that was weird. I'd never seen that before. I never felt that before. But you swim away and you swim to the center. You swim with other fish. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's happening. Nothing's different. This is just like every other day. I'm a fish. These are my fish friends. I'm out in the water. I'm swimming because that's what fish do. And as the fishermen are working, they're pulling this net in. They're straining to get this large net in. They're straining and they're taking it little by little by little. And then in the end, the fishermen pull everything to shore. And bring it up on the shore. Picture yourself as a fish. (laughs) Saying, oh no, something's different. I'm not in the water anymore. Everything has just changed for me. What happens next? This is what Jesus pictures for them. This is the parable that he shares with them. Well, what happens next is the sorting out, right? The fishermen, uh, you pulled in this huge, this this huge, uh, everything. You pulled in with your net. Things are stuck in your neck. They're fish. They're this kind of fish and that kind of fish. They're the things that, and you start to sort it out. Um, I had the pleasure. I'm not a big fisherman. I've never caught a fish. But um, I've gone fishing a couple of times and I lost interest pretty quick. But I have gone crabbing. Have you ever gone crabbing? Now that's fishing like it should be. You just kind of put stuff in there, you put it down, and then you pull it up later, and there's stuff in there. Okay? <laughs> it's real simple. But uh, you, with crabbing, you throw your crab pots down, and you wait 15 minutes, you talk, you, you do whatever, you sit down, you, and then, oh, it's about time you pull it up, and you have to sort out which ones you can keep. And you, you just kind of sort through them, and these we're going to keep, these we're going to sort, we're going to throw back, and it, it's simple. That's the sorting process. That's what goes on on the beach as Jesus uh, shares about this fishing expedition. This is what it's like pulling in and sorting it out. And what are they sorting out? That which is valuable and that which is worthless. These fish we can sell. These fish are worth keeping. And these fish are not, are not. As you look down in the scripture to verse 49, verse 49, Jesus says this, so it will be at the end of the age. So it will be at the end of the age. He gives the explanation of this parable. And and Jesus says, my kingdom is like this net bringing everything in like a fisherman sorting out fishes. So it will be at the end of the age. As we look at this, we realize that Jesus is pointing to a time. He's talking in general terms about there's this age that we have, we're in now, uh, where 
It seems like everything's just keep going on. Uh, historians will say, yeah, there's cycles. You know, history goes in cycles. Uh, it may have gone in cycles in the past, but it will not go in cycles. There's an age, there's a period, there's a time. And Jesus is pointing to the edge of this time. And he says this, so it will be at the end of the age. The same fishing expedition, this picture of bringing all these fish in, there will be something that happens at the end of this age. I want to tell you that in our time today, uh, some would call this the church age, uh, rebellion can happen. You can do whatever you want right now. Whatever you want. Some of you are saying, no, my wife won't let me. Uh, No, I'm serious. You can do whatever you want. You can make choices to obey or disobey. You can uh, do crazy things that no one would approve of. Or you can be uh, one that fits into society. You can do whatever you want. There's this picture that Jesus has given us of that fish floating and doing, just, just going about, you know, right? It's just swimming, doing what fish do. There's a time and a place, and that's now. We can do whatever we want. But he says there will be an end of this age. There will be a time where it's over. It changes. Jesus equates this end, this end period of time with that sorting out period of time when the fishing is over. And he says... The angels will come and will separate the evil from the righteous. You get this picture, uh, Jesus being on his throne, Jesus being the one in charge, uh, being Lord, directing uh, the angels to go about doing the sorting out. I think often we are concerned about the sorting out process and we say, well, will it be fair? I, I want to tell you this. Jesus is the great overseer in this and his angels are doing exactly what he wants them to do. It will be accurate. It will be purposeful. It will be exactly uh, truthful. It will reflect the genuineness and the uh, the value of the fish. He says at the end of the age, you will have this angelic sorting out And Jesus, they will be his ministers doing the sorting. And there will be a separation. Um, There will be a separation of everyone uh, from those who are evil, from those who are righteous. And and as we look at this, we go, well, uh, you know, is that the good people from the bad people? Uh, I would say yes, but that's uh, too simple. Uh, There are no good people. Uh, There are only ones who are changed by Jesus. He will go on to explain this in detail, uh, continuing throughout his life and even in the apostles' teaching, that there's no one righteous, not one, tells us in Romans. Not one. And so uh, all are, are ones that would be in the evil category unless they've been changed by Jesus, the King. And so Jesus shares, he says, at the end of the age, at the end of this time, I want to tell you this one thing, that my angels 
my messengers, the ones who do what I want them to do, they will go about a sorting process where he will separate the evil from those who are righteous. I want you to see this point real clearly. I know you're getting it already, but I want to, everyone is not the same. Everyone is not the same. I, I know um, we want to think that. We want to think everyone has a good heart. Everyone deep, deep down inside is a good person. I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus taught. That's not what he shared. God's word uh, tells us what to think. Uh, You say, why? I don't believe that. Uh, That's okay for you not to believe that. This is an age and a time where you can believe whatever you want. But it doesn't mean that you're right. God has spoken through his word. God has told us. He has communicated with us through his word. And he has told us that it's not all the same. That there will be a separation between those who are evil and those who have been made righteous. You need to know this. They're not all the same. I I think we we also, uh, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've even thought this, but you believe in creation, that God is our creator. And you say, well, if he created us, then we're all his children. We're all his children. We're all his. And I want to tell you that though that is true in a sense of creation, he in no way makes that clear that everyone will be with him in heaven based upon creation. Only based upon uh, believing in Jesus Christ, trusting him for the covering of your sins. So there is a difference. There is a separation that will come and there will be a separation of those who are evil with those who are righteous. Everyone is not the same. Well, um, as you look down at God's word, I want you to see it. This doesn't come from Kevin. This comes from God. In verse uh, 50... Verse 49, the angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous. And then in verse 50, and throw them into the fiery furnace in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As you see this, uh, same language, same type language that he used uh, with the weeds, the weeds within the wheat. In the end, the the crops will be gathered in and at that time it will be separated. That which is, and and what will happen? Fiery furnace, weeping and gnashing of teeth. What this describes, he doesn't use the word, but this describes eternal judgment, hell. This is what it describes. This is the place by description, it's the place, what, what is it? It's the fiery furnace. It's the place of destruction. And what will go on there? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's an interesting, the weeping and gnashing of teeth is interesting because it doesn't just, uh, it's not just about pain. It's not just about pain, but it's about this eternal rebellion and anger and frustration and pain that is coming from judgment. 
It's, it's this regret, but not regret that I followed Jesus, didn't follow Jesus, but it's the, that I wanted my own way and I'm grinding my teeth and it's forever uh, being this, this place of torment. That's what hell is. Fiery furnace, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Uh, some believe uh, that they would believe in annihilation. Uh, after, you know, if you haven't followed after Christ, uh, at the end, you're just gone. Boom, done. That's not the picture here. It's the idea of this destruction going on forever. Uh, it's this process of destruction going on and on and on. Some people say, well, it's all about life here. There's nothing after. And Jesus says no to you. The one who knows, he says, you're wrong. There is something after. There is a time after the ocean, after the water. You may be swimming around and everything being going okay. And you say, oh, there's a little bit of danger, but I'm out of that danger. I'm fine. I'm good. And Jesus says to you, no, there's something that's going to happen that's dramatic. You're not going to be in the water anymore. And in that time, what will happen will be a sorting out of the evil from the righteous. Um, as I share this with you this morning, um, this is what Jesus said. This is what he said. Uh, I, I wanted you to open your Bibles because I wanted you to read it for yourself. Uh, I want to tell you, some of you came this morning and you're like, oh, pastor, had a rough week. And then you go preaching on hell. How about some like effective preaching or some preaching that will like be helpful? I realize that in some ways I'm like a doctor talking to you about cancer. I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear it. And, and I say that to some of you who have heard it. You have been in situations like that. You have gone to the doctor and he comes in and he says, I got some news for you. I, I want to tell you that uh, there's this, uh, being a preacher of God's word, most of you know, I just take the next passage, right? I'm going to preach on something special for Mother's Day, right? I'm not going to talk about hell. Uh, necessarily, necessarily. Uh, but I, I, I want to tell you that, that I just take the next passage and you say, well, why would Jesus, why would Jesus do this then? If you look, uh, it's not necessarily good or bad, but most of your Bibles are red lettered, meaning that the red letters uh, are the words from Jesus. You'll notice that this whole section it's from his, from his mouth. The, the other parts are inspired as well. We could talk about that another day. But why did Jesus talk about this? Why didn't he talk about helpful things? Why did he talk to them about raising children? You know, my children are making me crazy right now. I'm glad nobody said amen. Uh, uh, you said it in your heart, right? Uh, maybe you say, well, you know, 
why didn't Jesus talk about getting a better job and working with people that are crazy? Because that's what I was dealing with this this week. Why didn't Jesus talk about patching up my marriage and helping me deal with a difficult spouse? Uh, why, why was he talking about hell? Why did he include this? I want to tell you, um, Jesus thought this was important for you to know. Think about that. Jesus, in the economy of his words, the, the things that he needed to, and, and he had, he could have been longer, but he was only here for a short period of time. Uh, not all of his words were recorded for us in, in, in this book, but these are the ones he wanted recorded for us in this book. Jesus wanted you to know. He wanted you to know about hell. He thought it was important for you and us to know, for me to know. And and I look at that and and I say, well, why is it important for me to know? Why is is this important for us to know this morning? And I want to tell you it's important because a lot of times we're just swimming around thinking that other things are more important than being prepared for the end. We, we get all worked up about news and, and sports and we get all worked up about uh, schedules and homework and getting up and making sure you get to bed and eating right and whether we do this or whether we do that. This is what drives us. This is what excites us. This is what depresses us. And this is what we feel great about. But Jesus wanted us to know about hell. Why? Because without him telling us about it, we would think this life goes on forever. We would think that these things that aren't that important are very important. Jesus uh, wanted us to know about this. It's not that he didn't want us to know about marriage, parenting, working, uh, taking care of things and being responsible. But he wanted us to put it in the context that there is an end point to this. And at that point, There's one of two options. I want to land this for you this morning with three points. And and hopefully these will be helpful for you as you consider that hell is real. Hell is real. There will be a sorting out in that time. The first thing I want to share with you is this. Judgment is coming for those who are not right with God. Judgment is coming. You say, well, I'll, I'll deal with that. When it comes, yes, you will. Yes, you will. Judgment is coming for those who are not right with God. I share that with you this morning, not cheering for God's judgment, hoping that you will be sent away forever, but hoping that you will heed the warning now and come to know Christ. That it would be the first priority in your heart right now that you would be right with God. That your sins would be forgiven because of what Jesus has done. I'd love to talk to you after the service if you'd be willing, if you'd let me in on that. It's, there's nothing more important for you to do this day, this afternoon, this week, this year. Uh, that you would know that judgment is coming. And that you would want to know that you are right with God. The second thing I want to tell you is this. And, and this is the practicality of it today. There is confidence for everyday living knowing that your sins are forgiven in Christ. Uh, 
There's confidence for everything. Uh, are you anxious? Do you feel like you can't handle these things? Do you get all jittery? Do you, uh, do you feel, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm a failure at this. I'm a failure at that. Do you, do you feel that? Everyone does. Everyone does. I, I, I would uh, have you raise your hand if you're insecure, but everyone would raise their hand. Everyone. Everyone's insecure about something. Everyone feels that. Confidence does not come from being great. Confidence comes from knowing your sins are forgiven in Christ. Hey, I didn't get these things done. I failed in this today. Oh, I got to stay up longer. I got to push harder because I got to. No, go to bed. (laughs) Go to bed. You know why? Because your sins are forgiven. You say, oh, I failed at this. Everyone's going to think I'm a loser. Forget about everyone thinking that you're a loser. I'm a child of the king. I've been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's confidence from knowing that your sins are forgiven in Christ. The last thing I want to tell you is this. That the reality of hell and the reality of heaven as well are the glasses that we should look through the world with. They're the glasses that we should look through the world with. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? When you watch the news, when you watch the news, consider every one of those people in the news, every one of them, the ones on the streets of Baltimore, that that young man who died from whatever happened, uh, those two fighters that were trying to bash each other last night, the NFL draft, those young men that are going to make millions of dollars. Everyone, your kids, your grandkids, your your peers that you work with, the people we live next to, to look through the, the glasses of knowing that there's a heaven and then there's a hell. When you consider your children, when you consider your grandchildren, the number one priority, the number one thing that you should be thinking about is where are they going to spend eternity? And how can I help them? How can I encourage them? How can I be vigilant about sharing the good news of the gospel with them? You know, we're so worried about uh, what food they eat, what activities they participate, whether they're happy, whether they're going to make right choices. But all of it, if, if they don't know Jesus, if they're not have a, a, a citizenship of heaven, if they're not part of the kingdom of heaven, it's all for naught. And for us to look through the glasses of that there's a heaven and a hell. I can easily look at the things going on in Baltimore and saying, thugs, lawlessness, bunch of stupid people. And you know what? That guy had it coming because he was doing this, this, and this. Or maybe I can look at those police officers and going, who are those corrupt? I can't believe that goes on. And be mad at, at, at people with no character. And I can sort that out from my living room as I watch TV. Instead of say this. That young man had a soul. That man had a soul. And it matters. He matters because he has a soul. And his soul has one or two destinations. Heaven or hell. 
And as I look at those uh, people rioting in the streets, I don't know why they're rioting. I don't know why they do those things. And I, I look at that and I go, those young men have a soul. I, I, look, I need to look at, at, at life through the, the glasses that says there is an end to all this. It will end in heaven or hell based upon whether they know Jesus. That's all I have to share about this this morning. We're going to celebrate that there is heaven and that Jesus has paid it all in a moment. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. I ask that your Holy Spirit would pound this message into our hearts and affect us. God, help us not to uh, be ones who are ignorant and ones who are uh, left and um, confused and uh, stirred up about so many things that don't matter. Cause us to be fixated on our final destination, our home. God, thank you for Jesus who's made it all clear uh, that we can have confidence because of what he did on the cross. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd ask that the men would come forward who are going to help me uh, serve communion this morning. Um, This is uh, quite a time. This connects well with uh, the message this morning. I want to tell you this, that Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And as we consider this time, we we do it periodically from time to time. You may say, oh, but I had a bad week. Does Jesus love me or does Jesus not love me? Uh, He loved me last week, but not this week. And because I did this and then I did this. And that that's not what communion is all about. That's not what it is to remember. What we do here is to remember that Jesus paid it all. That we are not confident because we have been good. We are confident because he paid it all on the cross. He is our righteousness. I encourage you today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to celebrate this time and to participate. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to dwell on the message that I just shared with you. And consider uh, your final destination, the place where you will spend eternity. Thank you for coming today, and we celebrate what Jesus has done on our behalf. I'm going to share this, and after uh, we have all been served, we'll participate together as we remember the Lord. Thank you.